Hey everybody, Conus is here once again with Papa Bear, and today we're going to have a discussion a little bit loosely, but mostly focused on education and basically uh, how that applies today and how that is basically a, a social contract that we've all agreed is a thing the government should provide for us to some degree. And then where's that line, especially with conversations today about like, uh, you know, uh, people saying college should be paid for, right? Like that. So basically making it a public college education, the same as we do public to high school and whether or not that would make sense. Hey, it's me, Rasan. I don't know, man. Huge hole in my, you know, yeah. <laughs> understanding. <laughs> my fellow Americans. Probably <laughs> here. As long as you're, whatever you're doing, doesn't hurt anyone else, I don't care. Different perspective of what an interesting topic is than I would assume. This is about exchange. So I guess we need to start with our normal introductions of, uh, so Cronus, what are you drinking? I am drinking a beer called uh, Take 10, and it is an imperial stout with pretzels, chocolate sauce, caramel, and peanuts. It's from Perennial Artisan Ales. They threw in the kitchen sink with this bitch. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I thought I saw the can there. I was like, does that can have pretzels on it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> so uh, we did a couple of the little episodes while I was RVing, so we traveled from California all the way to Disney World in Florida and then back a uh, little circuitous went up to Memphis and then through Arkansas, Oklahoma and back. Um, and obviously on a trip like that, I chose to not be keto and I uh, kind of talked about that a little before. So yeah. I am trying really, really hard to get back on the wagon. It's been rough, but anyways, to, to work towards it back to the Trulies. Yeah. So I have the punches still in there. I think I had them when we were in here last time in the studio, um, but I haven't really got to try too many of them. I think all I've had was the fruit punch. So I'm going to start here with Berry Punch. Nice. Actually, I just had a Truly. Um, they make like the adult pops now for Truly. Did you see that? We had, um, I think it was a different brand, but we have definitely done some of the frozen zero calorie alcohol popsicles. And oh man, they are amazing. It's going to be backwards, I think, on the thing, but that's it. Yeah. No, it worked out. It's good. Yeah. And that's the, the lemonade ones. So they're delicious. So at this point in watching our videos, you may or may not know that I am an active duty United States Marine, and I've been doing this for 20 plus years, so I know that um, it's really important for me to make sure to get this out there. If it's your first time watching this, please stick around and make sure you understand the disclaimer. If you've watched a whole lot of our episodes so far, feel free to go ahead and jump ahead to the new content. Um, so what I need to talk about today is that I am not authorized and have no way of being approved to speak on behalf of the Marine Corps. So any opinion that I give or any concept that I discuss today is the position and the opinion of just me, myself, just a man who has a bachelor's degree in political science and a master's degree in leadership and organizational management and has spent my whole life looking at government structures and social contracts and how these things are supposed to work, what the philosophies and things behind them are, and read a lot of books on that kind of stuff. And it's definitely one of my personal and key passions. And so when you hear me maybe give a position or a concept on something that is only my own position, I am not a public affairs officer for the Marine Corps. I am in no way giving what the Marine Corps' official position on anything would be. And honestly, a lot of the topics we're going to cover here, I'm pretty sure the Marine Corps doesn't have a particular position on. Um, so if you do have any questions about what the Marine Corps' policy on certain things could be, you can definitely research that and find those out um, or leave a comment or send us a message. Uh, if you can get a hold of us somehow, we can maybe be able to answer those questions for you. So with that said, let's get you back to this week's content. 
and we're back. So, well, what, well, what are you reading? Oh, what am I reading? That's right. Um, right now, I'm reading <laughs> sufficiently sufficiently advanced at magic, uh, book two, which is hold on, uh, on the shoulders of titans, and I just finished mm. Awaken Online Hellion like a couple days ago. It was amazing. Nice. Yeah. So. Looking forward to it. Um, but we talked through this already, right? I, I got to finish Tarot series. So I'm, I'm on Inferno. So it's Awaken Online. Uh, it's like the secondary series he started. And it's Tarot. Um, and I'm on Inferno, which is the last one. So what's interesting to me about this, knowing it too, is right. So some of the characters we're talking about Awaken Online, us, right? So we've got our shirts on for Awaken Online tonight. Um, characters from this book, for those who know enough about the series, right? Because I didn't read these in published order which i feel like is definitely the right order i feel like i wanted i wish i would have known the publishing order and read them in that order because uh, i met characters in a book i think i feel like that came later that i would have already been introduced to in a different series which would have been i think probably a better introduction to them and be like oh it's these characters i remember from this other book but now it's kind of flipped which book that happened in for me so oh okay you talk about like the the quote-unquote druids that you're talking about Yeah, yeah 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 So, because because the side quest for uh, Frank didn't come out until after Inferno, right? No, that came out actually a while ago. Like they came out in the correct order. Because I def I caught up with the series with Unity, and that was before mm-hmm. Terror. That was before the Terror series came out. Okay, I just have, yeah, I feel like I don't know. Maybe it was because of how they were introduced, and then how critical to other stories they were. That I felt like it kind of would have been cooler to meet them. As almost like a passing thing, and then like, oh, it was those people he saw in the other one. But, yeah, yeah, I almost wish that he would go back and redo the numbers and just don't put the point five and side quest on there. Just put it, you know, awaken online one, two, three, and you know, just go from there. Well, or should I read them? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but I understand why he did it though, because you know the main character Jason, he's the main character of the story, yeah. um, and then in the tarot series, you know, Finn is the main character. So I I, I get it. And, and Jason's not in it at all. Like you don't, you don't hear from them at all. Not a, not a mention. I thought it's completely different stories, so that's good. Yeah, I I, uh, I love that series. Um, and apparently, like the next book, so I don't know if you follow him, Travis Bagwell, on social media, but he gives like timelines of like what he's working on, and one okay. of them is that the Air Avatar is going to be coming up pretty soon. He's like introduced in Hellion briefly, and it seems like a, a badass. And then they're do hey, he's working on Jason book seven. And there's another one that he's going to do too. I forget which one that is, but yeah, he's working on a lot of stuff. And he's a lawyer, which is weird. Full-time lawyer. Right. I, re- I read through a little bit of his bio and the idea that he was working all that stuff for all the time and decided this was something he really wanted to finally get done. And it took off for him. You know? So I-, I don't know if he's still doing law, but I'm assuming he's focusing on writing now at this point with the success, with the success of these books. I hope he makes enough money for it to like place his income because he's a really good writer. Right. <laughs> yeah. Better than a lot. So it's funny. I was describing it to someone the other day because I was wearing the shirt to work, and they're like, "Oh, a really cool shirt." And so I, I was like, "Oh, it's it's a it's a shirt from a book about a game set in the future." <laughs> yeah. like, what? I was like, oh, "Hold on," but uh, it, it I said, "It was like okay, let me just describe it this way." It's been you've seen uh, you've seen Ready Player One, right? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, it's basically a book. Written like if Ready Player One was actually really good. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of how I phrase it. He's like, holy crap, that's the best description I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> One of the guys who's been reading, who's read both. And for me, that's what it was because 
what's cool about Ready Player One is the nostalgia stuff, yeah. which can only take you so far. Whereas I think what he's doing with these is is truly, honestly, like really interesting characters, really interesting story development, better, just genuine books on their own. So, yeah, I feel bad for books that you know Ready Player One falls squarely in this category. There's a few other books too that fall in this category where they rely too much upon like um, pop culture references. Yeah. I'm like, it's cool in the moment, like if you're from that era, but it's not going to stand the test of time. You know what I mean? Because you're going to make all these references, and people are going to be like, I don't understand what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. It'd be like it'd be like trying to like read, even like with, with Shakespeare, except even more. It's not going to have the same sort of classical feel to it um, yeah. as Shakespeare did, because we we can obviously understand the basic words that he was saying, but it wasn't like really obscure, you know, regional references to things. So yeah. Well, you saw that even in the conversion over to movie with Ready Player One, where oh, like things like um, Ultraman in the book, they're like, no one knows who the hell that is, so we're gonna make it Iron Giant. They also couldn't afford like all those licenses, all, all licensing for like anything. I mean, there's there'd be no way for them to make it'd be like a, a billion dollar movie for <laughs> licenses, you know? I can imagine. I can just imagine how much it was to make it the way they made it. Like, yeah, there's a lot of CGI. <laughs> but it's good. I, I think if I hadn't read the book, I would have enjoyed the movie. Yeah. But after reading the book, it's like, man, you guys left a lot of stuff out. <laughs> yeah, it definitely doesn't. And that's the problem. And I always say this, and I'm talking to my, my daughter just about it the other day because I was talking to her about a series she should read. And I was like, but watch the movies first because if you watch the movies and you enjoy them, and then you find out, oh, there's a book series, and you read the books and be like, these books are way better. You had a good time, you enjoyed yourself better. Yeah. Twice, rather than enjoying the books a lot and then not enjoying the movies at all, because it's almost always the case that if if you read them first, you're just not going to enjoy the movies because they're never going to be able to go like inside characters' heads the way you can in a book. So yeah, and sometimes they just they just really mess it up. Like really, like you remember I Robot the movie? Yeah. So did you read the book? I don't think so. It's nothing like like not at all. Like <laughs> I was just like, what is going on? Like I enjoyed the movie. But um, I didn't get it because it's an Asimov book. It's based upon his uh, uh, Robots and Empire book series. It's really long in foundation, um, which yeah. you make a show of on, on Apple iTunes. Um, mm. But it was like like the original character was like, he was a white guy and he would, he, he, had, to, he had to leave Earth on like his first um, like detective thing, like in the story. And it's like, he, the, the whole thing on the, in this movie is all on Earth. There's nothing about humans that live in other planets. Nothing about like how they're biologically changed. So, like, I was just like, "What the? F-? This is just about the the robot." And the robot's important, but his name isn't Sunny in the book. And he's like, he looks like a person. Yeah, not like yeah. a robot. It's weird. That's the way Aragon. Did you did you watch and read those? Yeah, I thought I heard that was one of the most egregious ones. Yeah, but like I did not even know those were books. So all I I saw the movie. It was like that's a pretty cool movie. Yeah, yeah. Like it. Was, pretty cool I was like i like dragons i like magic and stuff so so i picked up a book and was like are these just the, these how are they ever gonna tie in the other books you can't it's not yeah. possible like, the way the story went forward there's no way it's like they never intended to make a sequel yeah that sucks anyway so yeah. we, we need to do a whole podcast on just books but yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i guess what i can start with a purist libertarian concept on like public education would be that um, there should be no Department of Education at all. Uh, that shouldn't be a government thing, that people should, uh, schools should exist, 
and there should be like standards. I could say, remember, we went back to like regulation versus like directly managing it. So like we should have laws that say uh, education for certain areas needs to exist and should uh, meet these certain standards in order to allow states to like transfer certifications between states. So like you graduate from a certain level of school in Tennessee, then, you know, another state would accept that. Um, so those standards need to exist, but like they would say, let, let the public market handle it. Um, well, but how do you have a standard of education if they don't have a department of education? So, the, so instead of doing what they're doing, and again, I say it, it definitely wouldn't exist the way that it does now. I think once any libertarian system thinks about it for a little bit, like there still would need to be a department, okay. uh, but what their job would be, would be, uh, like inspecting and ensuring that those who get certifications, like if your school becomes certified by the DOE to say like you can hand out a high school certificate, it's because you met certain standards, but that would be their job, not um, like paying for schools to exist, which is a big part of what they're doing right now. Too. Okay. Um, trying to think about it. Cause I know there's like, for me, when it comes to the department, the department of education and public schooling in general, um, for me, a lot of it com comes down to funding, and I think they are the mm -hmm. ones that distribute the funds, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's where I have a – because the way they, they distribute the funds right now is, like, it's totally wrong. And I, I don't know if you need an entire department, per se, to, like, distribute funds. But right now, the as far as I know, the funding comes from – all public school funding comes from the local governments, right? So it comes from uh, taxpayer um, – depends on, on like – who, if you own a home, so they get the money from your property, property tax. tax. Yep. So if you live in a place that has high high home value, then they collect more more uh, taxes on your property, and then you get quote you should get better schools. That's usually how it works. But if you're in a place that doesn't have high property values because of say redlining, <laughs> and yep. everything is like super depressed values, then you have literally no funding, and there's like no. Um, the way it exists right now, there's no like federal credits that offsets that, you know, that's why you have like a school in Compton is real shitty compared to a school in Beverly Hills, you know, or it's shitty anyway, but yeah. So, I mean, the, for, for that particular piece too, the, the sword cuts both ways basically where because the land value is lower or higher, then the taxes are lower and higher and then there's more funds for the school. But a lot of times the land value is also related to the quality of the schools. So then it like they feed off of each other. Yeah. Uh, we were looking at a place up in Big Bear just because like we like looking at properties um, potentially for like, hey, could we get it and then have a place to go for our own weekends and then Airbnb? We've been talking about this a little bit lately. Um, I was like, but if we stayed there or we decided to buy that house. So it's like habit through looking through houses. I go down and look at what schools are in the area. Because the schools and their ratings on like this, this regular school rating site or whatever yeah. directly tie to the land value too. So if you make that school better, land value will go up. Yep. So like if we could figure out ways to to tie the two and drive both up, you know, it could improve. Could then improve the land value, which then improves taxes, so that you then get more and then put more back into the schools. Um, but there's also a lot of so like I know I just I just voted. I was actually going to bring my little envelope i need to mail out I, I got a special ballot for august for clark county in washington and uh, okay. voted for the mayor three city council members and then the evergreen school district like superintendent or whatever 
But a lot of times on those ballots, there's like a, an additional tax for something or whatever to, to put funds into the school district for specific purposes and projects and things. Um, and those are good ways. And, and what communities have to understand is what it's going to be used for. Um, that's what, and that's the gray area. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what is the money? I, there's no, every, all, every single, you know, Democrat and Republican, they talk about transparency with everything they're doing. It's, there's never transparency. Like it, it's always hidden. There's always some crazy weird slush fund, you know, that they're using to like reallocate money. Like take, for example, the, uh, like the border wall, like how they were taking money away from the DOD for like, that money was set aside literally for schools. And they were taking that and using it for the, for the border wall. I'm like, yeah, I mean, the border is important, but it's not that important. Like, it's not that important for most people. So more than schools and educating. School, yeah. <laughs> um, I think people's concern with that becomes then, you know, like, because I have a whole different thing on immigration and citizens, and we've talked a little bit about that too. Um, but like, the concern becomes if I, if I have someone who's not a citizen and isn't paying their taxes, but they live here, they're probably going to be going to public schools, but they're gonna, we're going to find a way to make sure that person goes to school. So we're paying for their schooling, but they're not paying into the system. So that's, that's where people get frustrated. Well, so it's on not, some level, yeah, on some level, they pay into the system sort of, you can't, it's literally impossible to avoid all taxes if you, if you live in the United States, because you have to buy something at some point and that's going to be taxed. But you're not going to be paying property taxes, though. But at the same time, you can say the same thing about any single renter in the United States. Like, they don't pay property taxes. Nope. So Someone's paying property taxes on their property, though. Yes. Yes, they are. But, you know, especially right now with the, the housing market, the way it's going, it's like it's going to be a, a nation of renters maybe pretty soon because, man, these, these housing prices are skyrocketed. Like, where I'm at yeah. right now, like, it's encroaching in the millions. And I'm just like, these places aren't that great. So... No. <laughs> But thank you I for the wealth. Yeah. I saw also a post about your general area too. It's like when you pay like $2,000 a month in rent uh, to to then get up in the morning to like get ready for work and like the, the street poop collectors haven't been by yet. So then you walk out your front door and step in human shit. It's like, it's, it's when your day starts really it's great. It's like, like 3000 to be to be totally honest. Like if you get it, it's going to be like three grand. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy. And it's it's gonna keep getting worse. Like when you have all these people that are this this ties in education, okay? Because property taxes tie into like obviously money allocation, like we just said. But you have corporations that are buying up all of these properties just to rent them out again, and that's gonna keep driving up the uh, the housing prices. Which is if if you already have a house, it's great. You know, yeah, I'll pay a little bit more in property property taxes. I don't care because when I move, I'm gonna pull out like hundreds of th- hundreds of thousands of dollars, literally hundreds of thousands. Yeah, but if you're a new homeowner, or if you're a prospective new homeowner, and you want to buy a home right now, no, especially not where I live. Like you have to have at least twenty percent down. A lot of places are only accepting um, cash offers, and it's like who can come up with a million dollars in cash? <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, man. Right, it's it's insane. I mean, and we've been looking at places, and we we found a gym when we got this house because even when we bought last year, a year ago, like prices were already going up. Um, but we managed to get this for a good price and it's already significantly improved. But my, my whole thought on it is like, we could sell right now, but we'd have to figure something out because we still have to live here. But then uh, I don't think it's going to sell for that much it, when slash if we do decide to sell in a few years or whatever. I, I just have to be realistic and expect that at some point this is going to kind of ramp itself back down and things will get back to realistic. But in this area, it's pretty rough too because of Joshua Tree. So they, 
they definitely are a lot of Airbnbs being bought by like corporations to turn yeah. them into Airbnbs. And that, I mean, so. that's just look at the houses being sold around you, and you just be like, "Wow!" Okay, yeah. for, if, if for, for us, year over year, it's over over eleven percent increase. And when you know the houses go for like eight hundred thousand dollars, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Like there's there's three, yeah. there's three houses that are on that are for sale on my street, and one of them it just came out at like one point two million dollars. Like that's what they're they're starting bid. So it's a it's a, the nicest place, the nicest house in the block though. So it's a really nice house, but it's a lot of money. Yeah, that's a lot. And like I know that the regional, so like for this region, all of the city councils got together not too long ago to propose that all of the cities because. There's no legislation that covers like a region and it's all being affected throughout here because of Joshua Tree and like the the OHV areas nearby. It's a very resort kind of region, which is really weird. I did not know that, you know? Yeah. Well, a lot of travel to here. Yeah. And so they're talking about like, hey, we need some kind of legislation that covers all the cities that limits their ability to do this stuff with Airbnbs. Like we need some kind of rule that makes this harder for those corporations so people can still rent because um it's insane for a lot of locals. Like locals can't even stay here in freaking Joshua Tree and like Yucca Valley. You're like, what? Why can't yeah. I can't find a house or a place to rent in my own hometown? Like that's something is wrong with that. So there's definitely been discussions about it. Which I wonder how it's affecting others. So to tie it, we'll come back to it. So I just did vote. I did just vote. I had to vote for the mayor and all three city council members. And being the diligent, like you know citizen that I am, I'm like researching every single one of these people and every single candidate in their like main like um, candidacy statement, plus most of the like articles in the newspapers had at least some paragraph where they were talking about the homelessness situation in Vancouver. And I was like, I, obviously I don't, I don't live there, oh, yeah. but I know it's a problem in lots of places. I was just kind of surprised it's one in Vancouver specifically. Um, but I would assume, right, that a lot of that is tied directly to the same subject of like, why are house prices so high? Like, why is it so impossible to buy or rent a place? And it, it's got to be tied to something where there's these companies now figuring out that Airbnb is a thing, and um, you got travel into the region just to, to you know, tourism stuff. I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I read a bunch of things about it, and yeah, Airbnb is like one of the, is is a huge issue too, um, because you have places like literally you'll have entire neighborhoods that are just are all Airbnb type, you know, yeah. home rentals, you know, and it's just nobody really lives there, and but then you have like all these people that are because I think the statistic was there's there's a seven million house seven million houses short for our current population in the United States seven million houses short. And they're building all the time, but like a lot of places have waited way too long. Like the the place I grew up in, Newark, California, um, they didn't build a new home for like ten to fifteen years. And this was like in like the two thousands. And it's like, how do you not do that in in the middle of? It's not Silicon Valley, but it's the Bay Area, which most people consider Silicon Valley. Just not. I'm just saying. Um, but yeah, so they had like this huge housing crunch there. They're building houses now, but now they're all like crazy expensive. They're all like million dollars. And now, because of space, um, they're building them, you know, smaller or more and more compact. So it's like no backyards, um, townhomes, condos, stuff like that, high density housing. And yeah. it's like, man, you guys really, really messed this up, really mismanaged this whole entire region. And now only, you know, tech guys like me and like some other, you know, really wealthy millionaires and people like that can afford these housing prices. 
If you're a normal person here, like if you live in this, if you have the service industry, you have no fucking chance on buying a home here. None. Or unless your parents um, can pass wealth down to you. That's the only possible chance you have to survive here and buy a home. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, it's weird. So I play these little weird city building games and it's like in my head, it's like you don't let that residential housing <laughs> like not be produced in in conjunction with the population changes that you have happening to monitor that and you're like I, I need to make sure that we have space and that construction's happening for residential housing i know that's a stupid connection but no it's not it's a, it's a driver of everything else that you do we're playing sim city you know <laughs> you're running out of resources <laughs> the newest one that i love is city's skyline and it's it's really really good it's it's probably the most accurate and like most modded I've ever seen. And there's, there's tons and tons of ways to make it very, very realistic. So I watched a crazy video about a city planner, like a real official, like his whole job, his whole life. He's been, he spent 25 years doing city planning. Um, one of the YouTubers got him and like introduced him to it and how he does mods and then gave him like a challenge to build something and gave him the basic stuff. He's like, this is really, really realistic. Like a lot of <laughs> what it's talking about are like super important things for us. He's like, I'm, I'm at the point where I almost want to, use this game as a way to introduce students that I'm teaching yeah. to conference. Like he's like, I might, might start using this and get to get students interested in certain topics. And he was super blown away by how detailed and really good this game is. But that's one of my, one of my favorite games. It would be pretty cool to like simulate stuff too. You know, like before he does something like just simulate it, see what the game says, you know? <laughs> well, then I, I do it all the time now when I'm driving and we get stuck in traffic. I'm like, oh, that's because this and this intersection are too close together with not enough lane management of that and the other. I'm like, oh, there's the problem right there. And you just would have to add this to fix that problem. Yeah. <laughs> it's just weird. Um, so to education, for me, like, I think that, that, that one, we've become so used to the idea that it would be really, really hard to remove public education from our society now, like, there's no way that you could just shut that down and say, figure it out, right? Yeah, no, not a, I, me personally, I would not want to remove public education. I think it's one of the most important things that America has, even though our, our, our current situation in public education is terrible, which we'll probably get into, yeah. but it's better than nothing. <laughs> so. Yeah, because much like housing, and I'm, I'm going to try to see, watch this segue, um, much like housing and residential like space a huge driver of actually having a successful society is how educated they are, right? So if you can continue to drive up the, the education level of your people, the overall society will get better and better, um, especially since that means they're producing better things, they're um, inventing new things, and you then are able to produce industries that are smarter and better and allow for more free time for others who can produce creative things, which entertain people and do all this other stuff. Like none of that stuff's available until you get past this basic, you know, uh, education level. Oh, I thought we were going to do the basic level of thing. Yeah, <laughs> the, the needs, right? And you get past some basic level of needs and then you can work towards cool stuff, right? Um, I do need to finish up that t-shirt, the Maslow, just, just, to, just put the triangle, the rainbow triangle. Well, that's probably um, like a, it's probably not what you think, though. Uh, like you have to put in words on it so they don't think yes. we're, like we're lesbians or something. Not there's anything wrong with being lesbian, but yeah. If you wear it the black month, like you're like, are you wearing that for Pride Month? Yeah. No. <laughs> I, I swear that that happened. So we had we had um 
brightly colored Disney shirts on. Like it was our Disney shirts with like paint colors and stuff. And I was like, oh, it would go really good with this mask that I have. That is like basically, it looks like crayons. If you put the rainbow of crayons across and like melted them down, you've seen that, or like the paint yeah. drips down, it's like a dripping art thing. It's like, oh, it's a cool mask. It would go with the thing. So I wore that and wore my Disney hat to the end of the day. I got so many looks. I'm like, what is the deal? And I realized, I was like, oh, it's Pride Month. I'm wearing my thing. And I got like the whole family with me. I was like, they're like, you're not gay. Why are you? I'm like, because for one, there's nothing wrong with supporting. There's yeah. nothing wrong. But like, I don't know. It was, it was also Central Florida. So could be. Different. Yeah, there's that. Florida's in Florida. <laughs> so. But yeah, I was, I was looking at some looks. I was like, what the? And then I realized, I like, yeah, I kind of am wearing a rainbow mask, I guess. But it. So weird how like they, they uh, they co-opted that and like because like when we grew up like the rainbow wasn't even like it wasn't associated with gay people at, at all no like no. at all it was like it was like a girly thing like you know rainbows and unicorns and shit then yeah. all of a sudden like just changed to like you know the whole lgbtq community. i was like okay yeah i guess nobody else wanted the rainbow so <laughs> i mean i want to say even as long ago as when logan was little like it wasn't even really directly associated to them yet because i remember a conversation with my brother about like my little pony and there's one whose like tail is rainbow yeah he was kind of a brony and <laughs> no he, he was he was honest he's like dude it's a cool show like the <laughs> characters are interesting like this time, Honestly, i was just like the, the okay it was actually really good <laughs> i watched <laughs> <it> with my daughter <laughs> see you haven't watched it yeah. i did a game with my daughter too was like these are kind of cool yeah especially the movie like, they were like kicking yeah. ass in the movie i was like okay <laughs> Then I found, I can't remember what the name of it is. Uh, gosh. But they're like very similar, but then it's all bloody and gory and gross at the end of it. I can't remember what it is. Oh. Anyways, there's a there's a stupid cartoon series that some people did where they took very, very, the same exact animation style where it's very bubbly and cartoony and animals and stuff, and then they all die in gruesome ways at the end. That's pretty oh. <laughs> terrifying. I what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, I can't think of the name of it. It's not Anyways. suicide happiness. It's, it's, it's like that, though. Uh, anyways, sorry. Yeah, now it's gonna mess me up. Anyway, back to education. <laughs> if only we had focused on our memory while we were getting educated, we could have yeah. actually remember this. It's not important, so it's easy to forget. Um, but I think that what we do need is to to better understand, like how how the choices we make impact the kind of education they're getting, and then what I'd like to talk about is if we talk about um, college being a requirement, because many jobs today are kind of requiring that, especially in the United States where, like we said, we've continued to push education because our society said it's important and I, I don't disagree to the point where now that's just a norm and kind of expected. And that now even a bachelor's degree is really needed for pretty much most basic jobs, um, except that we also need to understand and consider trade jobs and things like that. So yeah. trade schools need to be included because to me, I was talking about the other day, and it's actually back to my school and VR stuff. Um, we're still trying to figure out how to start a program and get it paid for right under VR. Come to find out, the um, the Army Corps of Engineers school for the prime power school, like the people who do uh, welding and um, uh, generators and things like that for the, for the Army Corps of Engineers, they've been doing VR for welding for like a decade because they, they obviously don't want to like, 
hand some entry level soldier like yeah. all these welding resources for one and like the safety associated with welding with oxycelene and a bunch of other things too like so they've been doing exactly what i'm talking about which is like you go into vr and you get that intro piece where you're actually picking up things and connecting physical stuff and selecting them and setting knobs and selecting the numbers and basically as close as possible physically doing the thing you're going to do in real life then you're not wasting all of that steel and um yeah I've used actually what you're talking about. So, so at uh, Augmented World Expo, um, it was in AR, not VR, but they, they, I think it was Miller. The They have like they have a bunch of welding equipment. I'm pretty sure it was Miller. Um, they have like an AR headset set up and like the, obviously the physical tools where you can like do your welding. And like if you messed up, it would like tell you like where you messed up and like how to fix it. And um, so they had another holding, So like you'd hold the torch mm-hmm. and you would see it working even though it was not actually hooked up in yeah exactly like it had like one of those like weird like circle qr code things and so when you put the glasses on it would extrapolate that into like whatever it was supposed to look like and then so when as you're doing it like it'll be like different kinds of metals and your tool like it was like it was pretty dope and they had like a whole bunch of other that's why i always believe ever since i went to the augmented world expo like years ago i was like this should be more popular than vr it should yeah but nobody's like really pushing it because they don't understand that until you go to like a trade expo, you don't understand like the wide, the yeah. wide, like all these wide applications that you can use with it. So, so there's, um, there's a big one that, um, is on basically like interactive education stuff and using these tools in different ways going in, in Orlando in like November, December that I've actually managed to sell both me and the army on sell the army and the Marine Corps on. So we're going to be able to go out to that. Um, nice. hopefully November, December, get to go and, uh, for one, meet the, uh, the, you saw that video that I did for AFSIA or whatever. Uh, yes, yes, I did. Yeah. I thought, I want to say you, you hit me on it. Um, so like the, the army chief warrant officer five, Paul Sankey, who was on that, uh, I mentioned that, that conference to him. He's like, how do I not already know about this conference? He was really frustrated. He's like, I am absolutely going to sell us. We are going to have to go. Like I've got to get you know, the command here at Fort Gordon to, to push us out to this. So uh, it, it sounded like we'll both be able to be there and kind of like really start pushing the communications organizations within Army and Marine Corps, hopefully, uh, towards like improving our education systems through using VR and AR. So it should be pretty cool. Yeah, but, like, this, good. I, yeah, I told you a while back, like I, I know like the guys who put on like the VR and AR stuff here and they're, they're just yeah. actually starting to put it, you know, wrap it back up. They sent me an invite to go to like one of their meetups. So I'm like, I can't go yet. I'm trying to get a uh, blue from black black cause infinity to go because he's a VR guy too. Um, but I'm like, eventually I want to go. And if they start doing FTVR and AWE again, I want to get you to go. Um, so you can see like all this stuff. And then like, you know, I, I can actually have you shake hands with like some of the higher up people cause they're cool with me. So. Yeah. And if, if you can get the invite, I could probably get it funded and let them know too. Like that means you could have a dude like, in Charlie, like I'll wear a uniform to yeah. get those pictures with it because it helps. It helps them. It helps me create awareness for what we're doing. Um, I could probably get it for free, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like, but I've, you just I've need never paid for one. You know what that? <laughs> I've never paid for one, so I know it's going for free. <laughs> nah. We got press passes. Yeah. And and then now, I mean, you have a, we have a podcast together. I already have another yeah. one where I get press passes through. So, and if you know, you get like, was it AFES or whatever to like sign up on it? It's, it's you get you can do it for free. You shouldn't need to have yeah. anything for it. So no, I mean like they'll pay for my travel to come. Oh, there. the travel, yeah, that's important. Yeah, 
I get I'll get the school to pay for me to travel. Yeah, I gotta get the per view. It could be that I'll have them let me drive my RV up. Yeah. <laughs> we were looking at an RV up to your general area, so we might. Yeah. I mean, might be half an hour. You know where to go. I used to like because I used to be a contractor. Um, if anything was in like 150 miles, I mean, I'll just take a motorcycle because they, they still have heavy miles. But on a motorcycle, miles are cheaper shit. <laughs> so I would save so much money, you know, and yeah. I wouldn't stay in a hotel. I'd just, you know, drive back home or whatever. So. <laughs> yeah, we're doing. Do you remember? Maybe I remember this. Do you remember what a CCRB is? You heard of it? No. So it's a course curriculum review board. That's where we get everybody together and talk about what we're teaching, what we need to change to make sure we're teaching what everybody needs us to be teaching, right? Um, so we're hosting one Camp Pendleton in September or whatever. I already reserved Lake O'Neill for my RV. I'm going to go out there for the week. Nice. <laughs> Just like chill, fish, go into the conference, come back. So yeah. I was hoping that I could get them out there, but obviously the family here will be, like, be in school. So uh, bringing them back to school. Yeah, it's going to it's come back around. You know, I'm still trying to get my, my little one in the kindergarten. So, yeah, wait list. Gotta love it. It so okay. Explain it. Well, she's going to Montessori, so okay. we want to keep her in Montessori, and there's wait lists for those things. So she's been in there for a couple of years now, and we're trying to keep her in Montessori and go to kindergarten. So it takes me to because you talk about like waiting list. It kind of seems like maybe think towards like lotteries and the um, and like the vouchers and charter schools. I mean, these are all things I guess we could talk about. Yeah. So the the voucher system, I think, would be first. So that basically just says, like, it's not free. Everybody pays for their schools. Each school has a specific cost based on their ratings. And then each citizen, based on whatever our taxes for whatever area, I don't know how they would calculate it. I haven't. <laughs> it's never made sense, right? Every time I've read one, it's always like, well, where would you get that number from? Where does this come from? How much is my voucher? How much is your voucher, right? Yeah. Like, and so then you can pick a school based on um, the voucher that you have and then how far you're willing to drive your kids, I guess. Yeah, see, I, I never like those those sorts of things. So like the vouchers, yeah. basically like school choice, right? Yeah. Yeah, I never, it didn't make any sense to me because what what those programs do is it allows those uh, those communities that are poorly funded to stay poorly funded. And it routes yeah. even more money to the uh, schools that are properly funded. And it's like, so if people can't afford to, you know, have their kids get picked up in a car or have like a school bus or whatever, if they can't afford to get their kids like these nice schools, then, you know, what's the point? And also yeah. it's like, you're also, people just totally ignore like the amount of stress that it puts on a kid to like literally have to ship them to another school, leave their whole community behind and like try to fit in with like this other whole different group that they don't even live anywhere near, you know? So it's already going to be some, there's already going to be classism in, in effect with these systems. So why won't you just properly fund both schools? Like yeah. it, it, to me, that's the easiest way to do it. Just make, have a standard for the minimum amount of funding for a school, you know, and, and do that. And if, yeah, some schools are getting better than others still, I get that. But right now in America, you have schools that are, that are horrific. They, they, they don't, they have terrible scores. Um, they're, they're falling apart, you know, and nobody's doing anything about that. There's, Oh, let's put them into these affluent schools. But it's like, that's, that's not, that's not the problem. The problem is that you're not funding these schools properly. I think, so a big part of this comes down to um, like accountability for the school. Cause the, the only issue I would have is we put all the funds we want to in a school. And if it's not managed well and you give them the money and the money, like we talked about with other 
any other program, right? As soon yeah. as you put money into it, it's a government organization. Is the money actually going to what it needs to? Is it being um, taken by anyone throughout the process and yeah. not applying to the kids so that the kids actually get an education like they're supposed to? Um, and that oversight generally comes from parents, right? So those affluent schools, the parents have all the time in the world to be able to get in there and say, hey, no, wh why does my kid not have what they need in order to be successful? Yep. And that's not always an option in a lot of those poorer neighborhoods where these schools are and they could get all the funds they want, but if if someone's taking it, no one's going to be able to hold them accountable for that. Well, I, uh, I don't say no one, no one, sorry. But, but like, it's not as prevalent in those communities to, to, to know that you have absolutely every right to go in and, and tell that school that they need to be providing the education that you need the kids to have. It's kind of frustrating. One other thing on it too. So um, right now, uh, city's teaching in a school that is a fairly poor area. And her biggest frustration is when uh, she provides feedback and tells them like, hey, your child is struggling and needs these things or whatever and gets zero give a shit from parents. <laughs> this is the opposite of how it's supposed to be. Yeah. You were supposed to me that your kid needs this. And it's like, she honestly feels like sometimes there are parents who like do not give a fuck if their kids learn anything or whatever yeah. uh, and become successful in their life uh, or are able to strive towards better life for themselves. She's like, you know that if you, or if you put effort into your kids getting smarter, they could maybe do better than you. Because I think that's where we are, right? Like, I, why I work so hard is so that my kids can hopefully be even better than I am. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and that's, I see her like heartbreak sometimes. <laughs> like, it's so hard on her. But I think the, the the problem is, yeah, it's totally true. Like a lot of parents, you know, obviously they are responsible for their children, right? Mm -hmm. But I think the problem that most people don't think about is like, if you're just barely surviving, barely right. surviving, like just getting food on the table, you know? It's like, do you, how much do you, how much, how many resources can you put towards, you know, getting your kids higher, basic education needs met? How do you, if you work in two or three jobs just to like make ends meet so you can live in some yeah. place that has like super high rent, you know? And it's just like, I, I understand and I feel for them because, you know, what, my, uh, my parents were sort of in a similar situation when I was younger. We're like, we're poor as shit. And it's like, when yeah. you're poor, like, you're not, education is not a problem. Getting food is the, you know, is the problem. Yeah. So yeah. I think, I think the, with that, with that set from you, the, I think the scarcity versus abundance counters at three, at least. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it, it ties to so much of what we talk about because it's, it's honestly a lot of times, right. The haves versus the have nots. And then also like us versus them. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's almost like keeping that system in place helps us make sure that there is always an easy way to use an us versus them system to keep some people uh, involved and engaged and, and, and able to understand like something needs to be done. And so you can just make it them versus those other people by just identifying the fact that there's these other poor group, there's this uh, wealthy group and you, you guys can, you guys can fight against each other. Yeah. It's actually a lot of times it's really the poor versus the poor. Cause most like when you're poor, like you don't. Poor versus the middle. Yeah. No, well, yeah. Yeah. The middle as well. But like nobody really has time. Like if you're poor, you're not thinking about some rich guy. You know what I mean? No. You, you just think you just think about getting food on the table, and you you just don't have you don't have mental. There was like a, I wish I had the statistics up, but there was like a there's a observable drop in IQ when you're in the scarcity mindset. 
Like we, yeah. if you don't, if like if you, if you can't afford a four hundred dollar extra expense, like your IQ drops because because you're constantly your resources in your brain are how can I just survive? So yeah. if you're in a just survive mindset, like you're not, you you can't. These are luxury things that we're talking about. You know what I mean? <laughs> For a lot of people, and I think that it's easy to um to miss that. You know, because we're 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 far removed from that now. But we've both been there, you know. Yeah. You probably more than me, because I mean, you you said you were homeless, man. So I, I was never homeless. Well, yeah. technically no, but you know, it's and it's it's crazy too, because I remember that I went to Portland because it was harder to be homeless in Vancouver because there weren't really um, places that I felt worked out to kind of like sleep easily and uh, I don't know. Uh, but we in Vancouver, the one time I did find something decent was like, uh, there was a Goodwill truck and it, like, it was like a, one of those places you could drop off your donations and usually they closed it up and locked it at night and it was left open. So I was able to go in and like lay on clothes or like, and I think there was a, there was like a couch and I could cover up with some sweaters and clothes and stuff or whatever. But it was weird. Cause I was talking about it with someone today too. And I then talked about, um, or I was reading about the homelessness in Vancouver. I was like, I told her that someone was down in Palm Springs. And like, I guess I could go wait here at the airport with all these homeless people outside the airport. I was like, there's no homeless people in Palm Springs. It is too damn hot outside. <laughs> yeah. Palm Springs. You find your way somewhere else where it's not so hot. Um, which made me think like kind of the opposite. I remember being um, in Thailand on on like uh, on the beach in Pattaya. And like people were just laid out along the beach street, just on under trees everywhere. Like there was at least a hundred some people just asleep on the boardwalk type area underneath a tree on the whatever. And I was like, it would be really easy to be homeless in a place like Patty of Thailand where it's always like 80, 70, 80, 90 degrees. Like it's, yeah. it can get hot, but it's also humid and you can find shade and be fine. But like, it's also never freezing cold. I was like, you imagine being homeless in Chicago? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to die if you stay out in the cold. Yeah, but there are some homeless there, especially like New York. They're having a huge homeless homeless crisis, you know. And it's just like, man, it's, it's terrible. Yeah, but, but when you're sorry, go ahead. What do they do during the winter? I don't. They like, got to bundle up, man. You got to wear newspaper, shit like that. You put it on your body, man. Like it's uh, it's crazy. Uh, anyway, just getting back to like, so when you were homeless, like how much, how many extra resources did you have to think about like your future? Or, you know, how well you're getting educated or, you know, obviously you figured it out. So it, it can be yeah. done. But just think about like the yeah. average person, you know, that's just like, and you didn't have any, as far as I know, like any extra issues. You know, there's people out there that have fucking extra issues tied with just being yeah. more than just being homeless, you know. So part of it was the idea. I was too young for anybody to rent a place to me, even though I was working and going to school. Um, I put my brother to stay with some friends because I was worried about making sure he had a place, but then I didn't want to put too much of a burden on friends who were already trying to help and take care of me. Again, probably didn't need to feel that way because these are people who in the end ended up, you know, really stepping up and, and helping. Um, and I, I think some of that is, is where the, the concern I have with government involvement at the federal level is a disconnect from it being a local community, like close society problem, um, where the solutions for me were all 
people who personally cared and wanted to help, right? Yeah. Um, not everybody has that, but with what we could do, if we could find a way to make a system that says you can find that like at a close level, like you can't, you can't make it a federal program where like you go to some federal center that's managed by the central government because it'll never be good, right? But what you can do at that level is say, you guys have to have a program to take care of them and we'll give you some money to take care of it. But these are the only standards and only requirements, but get people who care, yeah. help those volunteers, build a system in a place, um, make those the requirements. Because when it's you and it's your community, like I read these things about Vancouver and I'm like, I want to go back and help fix this immediately. My heart like is like, I got to, I got to go do something and help fix this. And there are more people who are that way. There were people there who helped me and, it was that closer, closer knit group society kind of thing that was able to do that until I was able to then get on my own feet and move back into, you know, normal stuff by getting a job yeah, well, that got me out of there, to be honest. <laughs> well, it's like an interesting situation because I think that we put like all these millions of dollars towards the homeless, the homeless problem. But like the main thing is in the name is not having a home. And like yeah. there's been no like real push on just building some free homes for people yeah okay you want to talk about socialism whatever but like we have yeah. there's so many people are homeless why not just build homes for them like and then figure out the rest <laughs> like <laughs> yeah and we talked about um, i don't think it was on the actual regulation episode i think it was an episode later and we were kind of mentioning it uh and we talked about how we would almost need different regulations so that the housing could be cheap enough yes. and also not nice enough to want to stay in. I, I, it feels like it's a terrible thing to say, but I want you to be here. I want you to be safe, right? So that you can be out of the elements. Like we talked about that Chicago issue in the winter in New York in the winter, like a place where you could go and it's at least warm enough. Um, it's out of the wind, it's out of the snow, right? But it's also not like a five-star uh, resort that costs a crap load of money and somehow this is what we're saying we're going to give to homeless people, which no one would support. We're not talking about that. But you also, even a basic house, like if you, if we built every person your studio because it meets like housing codes or whatever, like that, and that might even be more than is necessary, like yeah. to be a shelter from the cold and the heat and the heat, right? Well, the crazy uh, thing is that some places do that. Like there's been like individuals that have built houses for homeless people, and the the local government shuts them down. Because they say, well, it's not regulated. And we don't, right. we don't have control over it. It's like, you don't need control over it. They're just trying to help people. <laughs> you yeah. know? don't need control, but like it still needs to meet regulations. But what we would need, and we talked about this that time, was, was a set of regulations specific to that housing code, which it, it wouldn't need anywhere near as much electricity. It wouldn't need anywhere near as much um, you know, of all these other things. But it would still be a hell of a lot more than just sleeping outside in a tent or yep. in a sleeping bag or on a park bench for the newspaper, right? Yep. Uh, so we will have to title this episode Education or Homelessness. <laughs> yeah. And we, we have bounced back and forth, but they are tied, right? Because uh, it's not always the case, but uh, it definitely contributes that if someone is less educated and, and doesn't have the ability to, to find those jobs that could pay them more, that there's a better chance of them being able to be homeless, especially in this ridiculous housing market we have right now. Yeah. If you can't afford a place because you don't have enough of an education to get a job to pay for that, that could be a part of the problem. Yeah. And it's like, especially here, you know, where I live, because, 
you know, there's, there's so much, it's, it's what I think you mentioned before is like having like a, a group of people that, um, kind of foster each other. Like the, the Silicon yeah. Valley is not by accident. Like it's right. very much, that's, there's so many of us here because we know that so many of us are here. <laughs> so we, we, it, it affects the whole economy and we don't think about it, but I mean, we've, we have basically destroyed part of the Bay area to serve us. And it's pretty messed up. Like mm-hmm. we're paying like all these, this is the problem that I have is that I pay all these taxes. People like me pay all these taxes. And I know that um, there's a whole service industry like Uber and DoorDash and all, you know, just grocery store workers, blah, blah, go, go down the line. They're, it's a service industry that they're not getting paid a living a living wage, and because of that, they can't they can't own at all a, a home where they you know are have a job, and so they're pushing out like where you can live like further and further out. Can you imagine like driving miles just to like work a, a minimum wage job? Like that's what it can be like here. It's insane. We have people here that live like fifty miles away that work a corporate quote unquote corporate job. And they have to literally uh, live in an RV or in their car during the week and then drive home on the weekends. And these are, you know, white collar workers that have to do this. Yeah. I'm just like, right? Yeah. I'm just like, it doesn't make any sense. But we're all, people are just like, oh, yeah, it's okay. Meanwhile, the state of California said we have like a a huge surplus and so much of a surplus in tax dollars that they're giving away like lotteries for the COVID vaccine. That is so silly to me. Like, keep the goddamn the lottery money and put it towards the like the people in general, people that actually need it. You know, yeah. not it just, how are you going to give away a million dollars to somebody to get a shot that was free? We because have, it's people paying attention to whoever is saying that they need to do that so it gets them votes. Yeah. <laughs> and again, you you can imagine, right? I'm going to say that like I, I can't imagine ever doing anything specifically as like a campaign item. Um, to try to to generate votes, I I feel like if I was going to get elected for something, I would want it to be done on merit of the concept of the things I want to see done. Right? Yes. I, I don't want to change anything. So, voting today, I was reading through the the main. So, like when you put yourself in to be elected, you have to fill in all these different sections. It's like prior elected positions uh education jobs you've had like all this stuff right and then one of them is like here's your statement block you got all this write what you want write whatever you want to say about what you want to do so for the um school district superintendent there were three people running one's the current superintendent one had no comment like no information put in on her stuff and i was like uh you're not getting nothing man Like I could go start doing external research, but if you can't even put the effort forth to fill the actual information for the official post page, which I'm telling like my county and, and the state luckily does a really good job of making sure the information is accessible for voters, which I, I, I have to do a little bit of work. I do have to actually go to the, to the, like the county website and look, right. I can't just, I'm not just, it used to be included. So you would get like a, a manila side folder and you pack it, right? I don't do that anymore. Trying to save some trees. They say just go to the website. When I, I, I sent a thing to my um, county election commissioner or whatever, like you need to include a QR code now. <laughs> yeah. 
like you put a QR code on the thing, there's uh, there's plenty of extra paper that still has to get recycled. Yeah. Put a QR code on there so I don't have to just like Google search because other people won't. I do a little bit of work. You need to put scan this and it will take you straight to the freaking voters pamphlet, right? Yeah. That's what you need to do. I'd send them an email because <laughs> I've actually talked to them several times because of the issues with moving around and being a military member overseas. It's gotten to the point where like I literally have emailed directly to the county election commissioner. But um, one of the people running against the incumbent, I, I do tend to think, especially if it's a first term incumbent in most of the local positions, um, I tend to try to run for that first term trying to get reelected because you only spent two or three years working in that position. You've probably now finally figured out how to actually make some changes. <laughs> yeah. If you wanted to make changes that I agree with, then I'll go ahead and vote for you again and give you at least a chance for two. Um, but this this person running for the position said, like, the things that are wrong with our, our education system is we're not teaching enough history and civics. We really need to teach students about the Republic and like our responsibility. I was like, it's done and done. Yeah. This one, I want this person driving education because it's like those little things I'm like those are the most important all the rest of the stuff was okay but that like i sold me i actually um actually dang i wanted to i did save it as a picture because i wanted to read exactly what he wrote. Well, sorry because so i figured I, like we're right. talking about education today oh, it just oh, seemed like probably we hold talked on. about wait, before wait, we're gonna talk about education second, and then on. i was voting for the wait a sec wait a sec just, because you move too much, <laughs> you went super pixelated, and I think you're almost back. Oh, because you moved your phone. Yeah, <laughs> so, so you probably can't even show it. <laughs> you can try though, because yeah, as soon as you started moving it, like everything just kind of pixelated and stopped working well. Can you hear me now? Yeah, but okay. super delay. So I'm just gonna read it. Are we right. good? You, you can definitely read it. Yeah. Okay. The current curriculum in our schools is lacking, especially regarding the teaching of civics, the Constitution, and United States history, as well as general world history. The basics must be taught rather than the many alternative teachings that are currently being pushed by some. Again, there are, maybe there's some stuff that we need to talk about outside of what you think is maybe the standard norm, but the first few things made me think good stuff, right? Um, children need to be taught how to think, not what to think. Indoctrination is rampant, and too little substantive learning is taking place. I was like, <laughs> Uh, without a well-rounded education, including knowledge of how our republic works, our protections under the Constitution, and how we are all linked throughout true history, our children enter the world as empty vessels that anyone can mold for good or bad. Okay, like what <laughs> what the person said is it sounds really good, but you might want to research like a little further into it because if they, if they were like the whole like we're going to teach um, history and then it's gonna be like some weird um patriot program because that some of the things that the person wrote sounds like what like right. uh governor DeSantis of florida was talking about with his whole like patriot program like indoctrination even though i said not to indoctrinate i get that but um and this goes back to actually what we were talking about before the podcast started is this whole anti-critical race theory um issue so i, I kept hearing all these people, mostly on the right, talking about how we're going to stop critical race theory from being taught in our schools, K through 12. And I was like, okay, well, what is critical race theory? Every time I heard him bringing it up, like nobody actually said what it was. I was like, well, what is it? <laughs> I, just, I, need to, I just want to know what it is. 
So I looked it up, and apparently, like the 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 main gist of it is basically telling history from a more honest perspective, which is not um, favorable for some things for America. So when it comes to like actual race issues, like teaching what really happened during slavery and Jim Crow and the uh, the civil rights movement, and even up up until today, and it's not going to have American America in like a positive light, but I was looking it up and they don't teach that anywhere in K through 12 schools. Like as far as I know, anywhere in America, it's a really advanced um, class or really advanced course. If you're going through college for a certain degree, but it's not something that is tied in K through. Cause I was like, if you, th- if you want to talk about critical anything, like you, you're not going to teach that in K through 12 more than likely. Like the most critical thing you want to teach in K through 12 is maybe in high school and it's maybe critical thinking. For critical yeah. race theory, to me, I'm like, you can't teach a kid that. Like, they're not going to understand, like, anything. Like, So that's why I was like, it doesn't make sense. Like, what are they actually yeah, talking yeah. about? And it's all just nonsense. <laughs> well, are they just, is there a movement to try to teach that in, like, early education to change? Well, part of, part of the concern would be is if we're teaching a, a, you know, a filtered version of history, specifically to ensure that it's filtered, that's a problem. If it's taught, right. Yeah. If it's taught, and if the goal is to remove some of the filtration, um, but the problem would be is if you don't do it in a way that isn't also too complicated or too broad for the the age group, it's not going to work. So, like I said, it comes in high school, certain things, especially if you teach a bigger world view of things, people will just start understanding, like, it's not, you know, exactly the, you know, storybook style, George Washington and the cherry tree kind of things. You know, those are anecdotes told to help us feel community and story, but not necessarily honest and 100% perfectly true history. Yeah, because like, I don't think most people really even know that most of the founding fathers own slaves. Mm-hmm. Like the vast majority of them own slaves. So when when they talk about, you know, telling the truth in history, it's like, well, why aren't we told that in in school, you know? But they want to say, you know, all men are created equal. But back then, it wasn't all men. It was it was mainly just white men and definitely no women. And say again? Only adult male landowners. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, so like from the get go, like if you just if you just told that in school and you're like, oh, yeah, that means everybody. Right. No, it doesn't mean everybody. It's a very small subset of people that that meant, and I think being truthful about that, to me at this point in time, it's it's more um, it's more important because listen, people are flawed. Everybody's fucking flawed, and we but we're putting like the founding fathers and other people like back in the day on these pedestals, and it's like they're just people. They they made some mistakes, and so if you want to talk about just their successes, I think that's incredibly disingenuous to uh, people that you want to be patriots as they grow up. You know, because you're just you're just telling them half of the story. So, so what I think that would need to include, because what I think is key to kind of understanding those founding fathers is that while they knew that that wasn't what was happening at the time, and that they could not get that to be truly 100% purely honest yeah. in the society that they existed in, that they were like that they had hoped, right, and that they they've foresaw some world in which that was there and maybe they 
believed that that should be true, but understood that that's not where they were today and had to make all these compromises in order to get some kind of a society which should hopefully be strong and stable and be able to grow towards that. Um, especially a lot of them fought like to try to get something in there um, to hopefully make it move towards that. I think there were enough. They were trying um, compared to those who did want to retain the system that was keeping them in power and in position um, while still believing in these like uh, uh, Renaissance concepts where these are ideas that people should be um, afforded all of these basic rights, regardless of who they are, what, what city state they're from or what concept, what country they're from. But they just knew it wasn't really going to happen today, you know, and they had to build something that could be real and exist today, but then hopefully could grow. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, and, and they could, yeah, and they could talk about that. Like, they, there definitely should have been some sort of Israel struggles within the founding fathers. You know what I mean? So I don't, I don't believe for a fucking second now that I'm, you know, more educated now than I was before. I don't believe for a second that they are all just like, oh yeah, this all sounds correct. There was no arguments. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. there were definitely arguments of like, like what's going to go into the the original Bill of Rights, and um, like how we want to treat people going forward, and what's the future of America going to look like? Like I'm, I'm sure that it, it, you know, it was different from person to person, and I would love to hear at least some of that. I understand you can't yeah. teach all of it because that because you need to go to like, you know, more advanced history class, but you need to like stop sugarcoating, like what happened in, in America. I mean, like we still have stories of like fucking Pocahontas and christopher columbus like these are all taught in school still and like they're just bullshit stories they're just they're, it's bullshit and people just they're certainly not they're certainly not the story that you're told yeah that they did those are real stories they just did not happen the way, the way. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah so yeah just, just can you imagine can you imagine because there's not one can you imagine a, a christopher columbus done pocahontas style <laughs> like because there's a pocahontas movie yeah, it's not the real story of Pocahontas, but then, like, imagine the the what would the Disney Christopher Columbus be? <laughs> I bet you they were all friends, and like he just helped them build their their things up. But then they'd have to lie from the get go. They they have to just basically say there was like nobody here except for like a couple of thousand, you know, savages as they called them back then. A couple of thousand savages, but there was like millions of people that lived here. <laughs> so that's another thing they don't tell you, and you know. In history classes in elementary school and in high school, like, well, yeah, you have to here. dig deep. So you have to dig deep. Even yeah. so, even like so, four hundred years before, four five hundred five hundred years before when the Vikings first landed in um, ice in Greenland, and then sent an expedition south, about as far south as North Carolina. Um, they did not even come within a hundred knots of the shore because that far out to sea, they could still. Uh, smell smoke fires yeah. from the, the shore. So they're like, there's a huge freaking civilization ashore there. I'm not dealing with that because yeah. I, I don't want to talk to all those people. <laughs> so they sailed back to, to Greenland and like, we're like, hey, look, we don't want to, we don't want to head down the coastline right now. Um, and so the estimated numbers is basically that somewhere between then and when Columbus landed, like 60% of the population died to some inherent plague in the seaboard. <laughs> yeah. It was before any of them came though. So it was like they, they had something that just happened on their own, which then weakened them to make it easier for us to then come in and do something. So, so there's yeah. a, a good book that I see. Uh, you should probably read. It's called uh, 1491. Did we check that one out yeah. yet? 
I believe I have, but yeah. I can look history. So, so it, was, it was more than likely, so even before like the main force of the European team over, it was more than likely smallpox. Because when did Vespucci? When did Vespucci go? Because uh, he did a, a couple of landings, but he mostly stayed off the shore and kind of just mapped the coastline. Uh, Vespucci. Yeah, because they were talking about in the book how there was like you know the, the Mayan civilization and a couple other the uh, the Central American civilizations that were here already that already had ma- mass die-offs from what was likely smallpox, from what they understood. And and like the the main smallpox that came from like the main Europe like contingency, that was like it was a five year pandemic for the natives here that just kept dying off from like the same things. Yeah, see, Vespucci was still after Columbus, so it wasn't his. I don't know then. Um, I, I, when did that come out? Because I feel like I recognized it as a title, but maybe well, I haven't. Really. I know they just made a an updated version of it, but I just read it a couple, like a month or so ago. Um, oh. Let me see here. But it's definitely not. The first one was not new. I think it was made in like the mid-2000s, maybe the 90s. And they okay. just updated it. 2005. 2005? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I feel like maybe I have, but I don't know. I have to, I have to go back and pull it back up if I if I haven't, because it it's definitely the kind of stuff that I get into. And this is, you know, maybe this is what's missing uh, is is how do we incentivize self education and continuing education and like make that a thing that counts, right? Because like we spend a lot of time reading stuff that makes us better citizens and better participants in our society, but but there's no way to recognize that or know, like say, hey, good job for like digging in a little more and finding some more information on it. I really appreciate you doing that. Here's a way to recognize you for that. Do a podcast, man. That's, that's how you do it. Do you podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I guess. <laughs> no, but yeah, I totally get what, what, what you're saying. I mean, because, you know, in the, in the tech field, like this is why I love the tech field. Um, you can get certified in anything in tech. I mean, there's some prerequisites. You have to take like certain tests before other tests. But if you know it, you can take a test anytime you want. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, uh, did you ever do CLEP or Dante's test at all while you're active? I don't think so. I was a shitty Marine <laughs> for for a long time. I was I was good. What I, I was good at the beginning and, and at the end. <laughs> so what I what I will do for you is I will not argue with you. Um, <laughs> Did Ricky tell you about me? <laughs> you have a little bit too. So, uh, but fun. so was I. Like, I definitely had my moments, uh, but I think I was shitty for for reasons that are still valid about my personal nature and character. Yeah. But because of how my rank and position, it's okay, and I don't like that. Right. So I actually had this conversation with someone the other day. I was like, I showed up to my first duty station, and you, you heard my stories, like. I just always, I learned that I had to take care of things, right? From living like that. And um, so Cindy and I got married. We had an apartment that we picked up ourselves and we didn't even use housing or anything when we were in Pensacola. So we packed up all of our stuff, did a Diddy move, got a U-Haul, moved everything to San Diego, uh, left the U-Haul with the U-Haul place, like loaded. We're like, hey, we can store this here and then unload it when we get back. They're like, no problem. Uh, Drove to Vancouver, drove back down. Found an apartment, signed a lease, moved all our stuff in, and then I checked in. I was like, hey, I'm here to do some work now. And they're like, okay, let's get you over to housing and get you a house. I'm like, no, I'm good. I got an apartment. Everything. Like, you can't do that. I'm like, 
Why not? You're an adult. Why would I know or expect you to do things like that for me? Like, if I needed to be in the barracks, I, I get that. But get an apartment? I didn't think you were doing that. But apparently that's the thing. I didn't know. But yeah, you take care of your own stuff. Oh, you can hammer when you're a Lance Corporal. So. Yeah, they, uh, I, I, I moved out of the <laughs> barracks when I was Lance Corporal with my brother. And they're just like, you can't do that. I'm like, no, I can. And I'm going to. Like, you can't force me to stay on base. Like, I'll be here right. on time. <laughs> but yep. there's nothing in the Marine Corps that says I need, to, I need to live on base. Say again? Right, and your room would be clean. Yeah. So it's like, I. it was so stupid. I was just like, why are you forcing me to, like, have a room here when I don't need to, like, live? Yeah, I'm, I'm, yes, I'm wasting, quote, unquote, money on living with my brother. But I'm like, I'd rather live there than have to deal with, with like, somebody trying to inspect my room every, like, week. Like I keep my room clean. I don't deal with the, the barracks nonsense. Just get me the fuck out of here. So I just and it, so many people day to day for me right now, even too, right? Like still struggle with understanding that about people. Like there are plenty of people who who are still gonna be really great. You just need to get your boot off their throat. Yeah. Uh so anyways, that's kinda of frustrating. Hold on, I, real quick. Uh, Something I tell everybody, I tell everybody this shit when they're like, well, how hard, how hard was the military? Or how, how hard was the Marine Corps? I'm like, Marine Corps is easy. All you have to do is what you're told. But yeah. Once you have a problem with doing what you're told, that's when you have a problem. <laughs> so. Yeah. so so I always put it, there's, there, you only have to do three things, right? So you have, to, you have to be where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there, in the uniform that you're supposed to be in. As long as you do those three things, everything else will figure itself out. <laughs> everything else is, is not really required. Like, do your job well? Nah. But if you showed up on time in the right uniform. Yeah. I had a bunch of people I did not do the fucking job. And it bothered me to, because there would be like meritorious fucking promotions and they had no idea how to do their job. They shouldn't know how to do it, like memorize all that other Marine Corps shit. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. But uh, can you help me fucking, you know, do these routes on this router? You know, can can you update some routing tables for me or do nope, can't do that. I can march Marines though. I'm like, thanks. Like we don't fucking need that. <laughs> so I mean despite disclaimer, like I obviously talk a little bit of shit right now. But like it's frustrating. Like it's genuinely and honestly frustrating, even for someone who's been doing this as long as I have, uh, that we still have a system that um like rewards marines who can't do the technical skill that we've assigned them to do and, and we still promote them um keep them in and, and like we're and i'm as an educated like now as the education portion of these fields expected to somehow make those marines who don't want to be technical still want to get promoted come to these advanced courses but had zero experience actually doing any of these technical things get them up to a point where they're not technical. It's like, how do you expect me to do that? They don't, they were never invested, never interested, never held accountable, never forced to do so. So this is Marine Corps education, actually. We are still tying it to education. Yeah, education, yeah. <laughs> I managed to bring it back around. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, so does something like that exist within like standard public education stuff where we we need to like hold the students accountable for understanding what their goals and objectives are, what their purpose is, 
and why that's important to them, do we do we explain to students? This is something I'm thinking about. I might have to talk with Cindy about it too. Like, do students really understand the impact of the work that they put in or don't put in? Because a lot of Marines, I feel like, just don't get it, right? And they understand that it doesn't really matter, right? So if if they don't do really, really well in their technical field, they have options, they have outs, they have other ways to be successful in the Marine Corps. Um, I don't feel like that exists, right, within in the public world, within this the, the standard society. You end up homeless, right, if you don't really strive for learning and then push that learning towards being able to get a better paying job so that you can maybe afford one of these stupid fucking expensive houses in these places. Yeah. I just managed to tie all that shit together. Yeah, no, it's good. It's a good job. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think, uh, I mean, so you're fighting against two different factors when it comes to that. One is that you're, you're, you're trying to educate children and with children, they're not going to be able to see like the long distance, you know, like what I want to be when I grow up, you know, how do I want to live when I grow up? Um, because we're not the way we currently educate our, our kids is through like some super old Prussian system for, to make workers. And so there's yeah. literally like zero incentive for, for kids to be, um, you know, creative and really understand like, where did, wh- where do you fit on this earth as a person yeah. other than like, Oh, I, I want to get a good job. Well, okay. Well, first of all, well, what kind of good job do you want? And do you really want that? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like people don't, they don't put any sort of uh, real thought into like, what do they want to do? And I, I got lucky. I knew what I want to do since I was 11 years old. I just fucking kept doing it. But for most people, like I know people that are my age, they still aren't they still aren't there. Like they, they work at a job, yeah. But they don't really like their job. They don't know why they're doing their job. They don't know what they would do without their job. And it's like people are that familiar, they're kind of lost. And even for me right now, like even though I'm doing what I want to do, I'm kind of fucking done with it. <laughs> like at this point. You know what I mean? I'm just like I've been doing this for a while. It's been more than 20 years. I'm just kind of, I'm sort of, I'm not coasting, but it's not far. You know, I'm going to a VMware class next week. Thank goodness. Hopefully it'll like re-spark some shit into my brain. But I'm just like, I've seen so much shit in my lifetime where it's like, you're forcing me to care about this corporation that I don't honestly care about. I really don't. Like you pay me money. I do a job for you. Other than that, I don't really care. And I'm, I'm obviously, we've talked about, I'm obviously on the edge of that too. Like I'm struggling. I'm feeling like I came here with a purpose and as long, I'm going to try my best to achieve as much of that as I can. I know that it's unrealistic because I have huge friggin' dreams for what I can make get done, but it's not going to happen. But if I can get some of those things to start, and even if I could just get the, the huge juggernaut ball rolling, right? I know that that thing will finish when I'm done because once something's started and funds are allocated and decisions are made, like nothing's going to stop that thing from happening. How good it is, not as good as if I had done it by myself by hand, but um, knowing that it, it has to exist would be cool. Um, but it it does feel like I, I, someone told me once, like if you could, if you could, like the person, the personal dream should always be like whatever you do for a hobby, whatever the thing is that you feel like you do just for fun. If you could get paid to do that, that's the dream, right? So, so how would you do that? You got to like figure that out. And like, you know, someone always uses the example. So you work this job, you're doing this job and in your free time on the weekends 
And when you take vacations, what you like to go do is go rock climbing, right? So you get your get, you got all your gear, you got your shoes, like you look at the spots, you're finding all the coolest climbs. You spend all your time going out. And so like you're paying people to, to show you the routes, you're paying people to train you, you're doing all these things. And while you're doing this job to pay for this hobby, you start to realize like, I've now got skills in this. I've got practice. I've gotten better. I've got years of experience with it. Can I just get paid to also show people cool routes that I know and take people out to train? Eventually, can you transition into just doing that? So if you can find the same thing in your own personal, like joy and interest, that would be like the life dream, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The problem is when you're, when you get paid a lot of money, it's like finding something that you want to do to replace your income. Cause you know, you get, you get used to your income and it's yeah. like finding something that, that can replace my income. It's like, man, I mean that I'd have to like, I have to blow up, you know? So, but we'll see. Like, I, I, so part of me, part of me moving towards a potential potential. So knowing our timelines and how we're about, how we're looking at publishing episodes, it's safe to talk about this right now because it'll be past it mattering. Um, yeah, we're way <laughs> so there's, a, there's an opening right now at Copper Mountain Community College, just right up the road from here. So that if Cindy wants to continue teaching, um, that it's a it's a professor of political science position nice. that I am absolutely qualified for, and it is part time. So what I have to I have to apply and then figure out what the hours would look like, what the pay looks like. And if I can do the math and go, okay, retirement pay plus whatever this equals is like a flat line. Like it's exactly the same as I'm in right now, but I then would have more available free time because of, uh, you know, it only being a part-time job anyways. Yeah. Um, and then, and then the work requirement, right. is teaching, teaching political science. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I obviously love talking about this stuff. Right. So, it's really tempting. And I think that at least to understand um, what it would truly mean, I'm going to look into it. So by the time this actually airs, um, I will know what all of this has become, but it, it's kind of exciting. Like I'm thinking about it and, and hoping that teaching political science and I'm, I'm, it's community college, right? So it has to be just like poli sci 101. Good night. Love you. We can edit it out. Um, it's uh, yeah, it'd be real cool. I think you obviously have a massive advantage because you're gonna be retired, so you don't have to replace that much of your income. No, you know, right. that's where I'm like, maybe I should have just stuck in, but no, I could have done it. <laughs> I keep thinking about it, I'm like, I could have done it. There are there are moments, right, where you, no matter what your choices are, you always look back at your choices and go, mm, if I had chose differently, where would I be? And you can never really know, yeah. um, but I, I think for us and for you know what I've done to this point, and it doesn't mean I'm done. I think I can still always do more. That the Marine Corps has been great, right? And I think it's a great organization. But I think like many big organizations, especially many DoD organizations right now, um, they need to get out of their own way a little bit. Um, we're stiff right now. We talk about change, but we're like many old organizations, really, really resistant to change. Um, we think we've been successful for so long. We must be doing it right. So it's, it's really hard um, for a lot of people to accept it. We probably should 
change some stuff. Yeah. So that's that's the fight. That's the fight I'm in right now. Um, but I think that the, like like I said, it, the change that needs to happen will happen, and the change that doesn't um, should hopefully be resisted. And that's part of why you know systems like ours work, and people are frustrated. I'm talking to people right now trying to change stuff who want to change stuff along with me. Like it's so hard to change stuff. I'm like, if it's important and it's a change that has to happen, and we know it has to happen, we can change it because people will be fired up about it enough to make that change. Um, but then if it's a change that's like, maybe, but might make problems too, it, it'll be, there'll be enough resistance to it to, to stop it from happening. Yeah. People will take any, any small problem and blow it up and that'll cancel all your shit. You know, yep. like, and you know, I've said some not nice things about the Marine Corps. The problem isn't that everybody in the Marine Corps was bad. Cause definitely that was on the case is that I just didn't have enough good leaders. That was a problem. Yeah. And like I had, I had one really good leader and then he left and then I had a terrible leader after that. And somebody that had nothing to even do with like what I was doing. And it was just like, I don't want to deal with this. I don't have to deal with this. Yeah. <laughs> so what's really interesting too, is that most people potentially even you included, like would actually have a really hard time defining exactly what that meant right so you had one that you knew and you felt was a great leader and you had one that you know and you felt was a terrible leader but then like to sit down and like itemize the list of why it's oh, really hard actually. i can definitely itemize <laughs> yeah. I but i bet i bet even doing that though you probably still only hit 10 percent on both sides of the things that happened and that you felt and that occurred and there were their actions and there were their inactions um that like actually led towards that understanding but it's still probably only like 10 to 20% of what, what really led to it. Most of us don't truly understand and myself included what like really good leadership looks like. Um, I know, I know what I think it looks like. Yeah. Um, but that's again, what I would want from a really great leader. And that's not always yeah. the same exactly. for everyone. Yep. So, um, because to some people, like you look at, you look at actually did you watch black Widow yet right you said you did yeah yeah i did so it's like a big part of what they talk about in there is like a very strict and controlled and, and mandated system is the only way for things to be stable it's like empire versus rebels right yeah where there's there's a foundational group of people within those storylines that say like this chaos of this free system is so frustrating and so terrible and so chaotic and scary and and dangerous that this really structured, really strict, just tell us what to do system is better. But then there's other groups like, just leave me alone. Yeah. Just leave me alone, I'll figure it out. Um, but then it also means a lot of the people who are like, just let me figure it out, they're gonna be homeless and maybe die because they didn't have a system in place telling them, no, this is how you do shit, come here and live in this house. Yeah. So where's the line? Yeah, I totally get that. But yeah, I mean, you have to know, I think to me, I think one of the main tenets of being a good leader is understanding like who you're leading and understanding mm -hmm. like there's certain people that um they need different leadership approaches and it's not always like carrot and stick or you know the nail and the hammer like sometimes you need yeah. to give people autonomy and you have to trust them with autonomy and the marine corps and the military in general it's a little bit different because yeah. you don't you don't pick and choose like nobody's you don't apply to join the marine not really you know what i mean so when you get new marines the the, the new marines that are coming into you you don't read the application, you know, you know, like, oh, no, this guy isn't for me. Fuck that. They're just going to send you a unit. You know what I mean? So it's a little yeah. different. Um, 
but you should still know like who you're leading and if you're going to take time and like set aside time to like bring them into meetings and talk to them one-on-one then you should probably understand who the fuck you're talking to and i'm not saying that like in a pompous way but just know like their basic circumstance in life what they're good at what they're bad at and just know those basic things and if 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 you're not willing to know those things then don't try to take some fucking half-assed um you know proactive approach on every single marine's lives that are in your unit then just be the hands-off guy but don't sit there and try to like tell me how i'm all fucked up or some of the marines all fucked up when you have you have no idea what i even do from day to day you know (laughs) but you have no idea and that that's what got me like yeah you get that sometimes in in the corporate world too but in the corporate world it's a little different because when it comes down to autonomy, like I, I will never work for any place that micromanages me at, at the, even at the smallest level. Like I need complete autonomy. Like you tell me what to do, I'll do it, but don't tell me like the exact way you want me to do it. Like that's just not going to happen. Like you can find somebody else for that shit. <laughs> so that's just yeah, the I mean, way And obviously I'm, I'm in the same place at this point too. Like this is what you hired me for. Yeah. You made me the person and the Marine with the rank that I am because you say, hey, this is a problem. Go get it. Obviously, if you knew how to fix it, when you'd you already do. be there. Yeah. So that's why you have me for it. So just don't don't sit there and tell me exactly how to do it. And then it's still frustrating because a lot of people are obviously senior to me, um, are the people who make the decisions. Um, but like I told them, I was like, look, you have absolutely every authority to, to make a decision contrary to what it is I'm advising you. It's probably not a good idea. Yeah. And I've been doing this for 27 years, like this thing, not doing all kinds of stuff. So it's up to you. You can, you can make a choice, but I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put myself on record as advising you contrary to what it is that you <laughs> are deciding. And that, trust me, if, if, if things fall apart, that will be known by all. But it's, it's, that's not, that shouldn't, that's, that's pretty, pretty poor leadership. But. Yeah, it shouldn't have to be that way. It's like, you need to be, I, just trust in the people that are underneath you. And if you don't trust them, uh, this is military specific. If you don't trust yeah. them, then you need to figure out a way to either gain their trust or just fucking correct them. You know what I mean? And yet you have to figure out like a way to do that. But that, that's a leadership quality. I think that most Marines don't have, like if you don't trust somebody, I think in the Marine Corps, it should be even more extreme. Like if you don't trust yep. somebody, like what are you even doing? Like seriously. Yeah. So there's um there's a book that I keep pushing and it's one that a lot of more people are reading and it's really good despite to this topic which is called The Speed of Trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's by Stephen Covey, really good leadership uh, writer. Like he writes a lot about personal leadership and um, like organization stuff. I want to say uh, he may have written one of my favorite ones too. Uh, no, that's a John C. Maxwell one. So 360 degree leadership is probably my favorite one. But um, Speed of Trust is really really good too. Uh, because it talks about where you slow things down by that lack of trust, right? If you can um, trust in whoever it is that you're tasking to accomplish something or whoever it is that you're conveying information to, to, to accomplish what our goals are, to understand what our system is, I trust you to be working towards the same objectives. Um, things happen faster because you, you're like, I'm putting it in right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's a good one. So like, and it teaches you like lots of like concrete lessons too, which is really hard. Um, a, a lot of the, the, you know, the leadership and like 
self-development books are very like anomalous, wishy-washy concepts things. Where those, I felt like that one was, if you do this, it helps. If you do this very specific thing, it helps. Um, and, and sometimes we need that. Like I need to, I need to write a thing. I'm like, work on that, work on that thing so that I can get better. And then you can move to the next one. Because um, if you're, if you're in leadership positions, which even you are, right? Like it, what's weird is most of us think we're not, but we are. Um, then you, if you're invested in it and interested in it, you're constantly working towards like getting a little bit better. How do I get a little bit better at doing the thing that I'm doing? So it's good. Yeah, it's helpful. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Because like the the team that I'm on that I'm on right now on the technical level, I trust everybody on my team. We had yep. we had two guys that I you know were wishy washy, they on the team no more. So yeah. you know like and and all of us we just we do our own thing. When we need help, we can call on each other. But it's not like we don't need. Look, we have a manager, and he's a cool guy. But it's like we don't really need a manager. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like if we had no manager, it wouldn't. Except for like top cover, and even then, like the the amount of times we actually need top cover is very rare. And it's just like, you know, we don't really need. This is comes back to like bullshit jobs. I got. I think that most manager jobs are just kind of bullshit because they just, especially when it comes to like knowledge workers, like. You don't need like a dedicated boss, as far as I'm concerned. And I like my boss, but it's just like I don't really need him in like my day to day lives. Like he's never said no for like go, you know, taking days off. That's like the main thing I need him for is like taking days off, <laughs> you know. Or, or if there's like some big case, like we'll talk about it briefly. But it's like it's not a big deal, you know. Kind of had that conversation. We we're talking through structure, and there are several layers of like administrative positions. And it becomes like, so I get it if you're dealing with, so students think entry-level Marines, right? Coming in through student processing and before you even get to your very first unit and imagine you have 800 of them, right? At any given time. There is absolutely someone who's in trouble for something. There is someone who has a problem with their family. There is someone who, you know, is struggling with something. There's someone who's needing to deal with their emotional issues and stuff. But like, how many Marines do we need to dedicate to to that requirement um, to help these Marines with that stuff? And, and that's hard math. That's it's really really hard to figure out. So, um, trying to make sure you know, because at moments you'll have like way too many people who are like, nothing's going on right now. Everything's good. Yeah. So where can I fit myself in and help with other things? And then it's like there's a storm happens and there's forty people who are dealing with problems and you're like, we don't have enough people to deal with this. I need some people to help us out. It's just it's a really hard thing to, to math out. Um, so we were just dealing with that recently. That's why I thought it was an interesting point. Cause sometimes you feel like, like, what are you doing? Why are you even here? But then so like, I, there are those couple more, like, well, then there was, then there was a reason for it, but then like really how much. Yeah. But then it's like, and it's kind of different, I guess. Cause we deal with that for them instead of being like, go deal with your shit. Well, cause yeah, <laughs> but part of that comes down. I mean, there this is where we, t- we take, at least I take some things for granted. Like, I'm in, I'm in my 40s. So, obviously, I deal with my own shit. In my yeah. 20s, when I, in my, you know, my late teens, I, I I did a terrible job with, like, most. Like, I think the best decision that I made when I was young was joining the Marine Corps. Um, mm. All because I knew that, hey, like, I'm not going to college. College ain't for me. I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. I know I'm not going to flip burgers. So, might as well do something important. Marine Corps sounds yeah. pretty badass. So, why not just join the Marine Corps? And, you know, see if we can do some computer work in there. And it, I mean, it worked out, but it's it's not 
it's not an easy path and it's not a path that everybody can do. So when people ask me like, how did I get to here? It's like, it's, it was a lot of hard work, you know, like I remember I was doing jujitsu with some kid. He was in his early twenties. He's like, Oh, you know, you work from home, you know, four days a week. Like, how do I get there? I was like 20 more years experience. Like what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, you think you just got to automatically like walk into a job and work four days a week? Like, are you serious? No, man. Like you have to work your way up. But they have to trust you to be able to, and I work from home. So it's like, trust to be able to work from home and only work four days a week. Like you're not going to get to that trust for a long time, man. So you got to, you got to grind a little bit. And that's, it's, it's very difficult to get around that. We don't, there's too many who are still averse to change with the work from home stuff. But as a chief warrant officer, I think the, the, the closest we get to that core is kind of on that, that same level where it's like, I got to go take care of some stuff. <laughs> yeah, chief warrant officer always goes no, yeah. Like, if I've looked at the problems and said, this is more important. And they go, you got judgment at this point. Go, go take care of whatever that thing is. Like, there were plenty of moments this last two weeks. I don't know. I guess such that that long of a week that it felt like two weeks. Like, no, yeah, the last week where I was not in some meeting or something, right? And they're like, where are you at? I was like, I was in a classroom teaching this thing that is way more important than whatever dumb meeting you expected me to be in. Like, All right, that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, I spent a lot of this week. We got new war officers on deck. Um, I went and I taught some BCOC stuff and teaching learning strategies to make Marines think like you're responsible for your own learning if no one ever told you that. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I think uh, being an autodidact is like, I think a thing that most people should strive, should strive to do. And I think that most people, they just want to, but people, so I get it. Some people need it. Like they need that structure. You know, this is what you, what you do. You, you go step A, then go to step B, then, you know, so on and so forth. But it's like, you can just skip a bunch of steps, you know, and if, if you, <laughs> and do the shit on your own. But yeah, some people, they, they just, it's not surprising in the Marine Corps because, you know, when you join the military, you're doing it for a structure, right? Yeah, you're kind of looking for that. What, what, you're looking for that guidance to help you and that structure to help you get through, like we talked about, that, that first those early years in your life, maybe, where you're kind of like, what am I doing? And it helps you give that structure to, this is what you're doing, get you through those, for some, for a lot of people. Um, but like, it feels like a lot of people just hold on to that forever. And it, it's, it's not necessarily a good thing for them or for the organization, but it's not everybody. Again, it's just some people. Well, but I think it's it, this gets back to more or less the the military education side than back to the more of a public education side. Is I think that's the way that our society has decided that we're going to do things. Like we're on this Prussian worker system to where we need people to like basically be at the bottom. Like we educate most people to be at the bottom. We we've already made it so that if you want to go to college, it's so incredibly expensive unless you have, um, you know, scholarships or something like that. And even then, you're not getting good education. You know, if you're like on a like on a sports scholarship, like you're probably not going to get a good education no matter where you go. They're just going to push the right. sports on you. Um, so we require a sub, uh, a good portion of our population to be at the bottom to serve other people. And so I'm not surprised when we have like basically people that are designed to be drones. That's just the way we set it up. Did you um did you see the like the kind of uproar over the Navy football player that's going to the NFL? No, but plays for Navy. Plays for Navy, and like oh, is yeah. very, very good. Yeah, yeah. And then 
so so that means attended Naval Academy had an expectation to serve in the Navy as an officer. Yeah. Um, or the Marine Corps. So Marine Corps officers a lot of times come from Naval Academy too. Um, but then they were like, the Navy, NFL wanted to draft him. So it's like, can I do that? Or he, like, this is honestly, like, this is honestly a question. Most probably. That's, there's not a common system in place for that. So I thought, um, a lot of I think there's a caveat. But, I think if you make, mm-hmm. there's a certain, this might be bullshit. I'm gonna look it up right now. But I think if you make over a certain amount of money and you're in the military, there's a way out. Yes. And I'm pretty is. sure if he joined the NFL, he'd have been a millionaire. That should have been his way out. So what he's looking to do is um, like delay his obligation for service. That was the initial decision so that he could play in the NFL, which like you said, he could then eventually just buy out his contract. Yeah. Contract. time. But, you know, depending on the person, he may still want to serve and do that time be, be like, be that person who served right um but he also in the prime of his life right now like was like and i and i have people looking at me to play in the nfl like pass up that dream a lot of people were really really up in arms about this idea that he's gonna not fulfill his requirement to be an officer and instead go play in the nfl i was like look <laughs> this is a this is a net plus for the navy yeah 100 because every single game that guy plays in for whatever team he plays for. Every announcer is going to mention it. Oh, he was playing for Navy. We're supposed to serve as an officer. And then you get like Navy, Navy, Navy stuff. People are like, I could, what's the, there's the Navy. And they go join the Navy. And like suddenly recruiting is super easy for the Navy. Like, hey, we're good. <laughs> I was like, this is a net plus. Let him, let him go serve his time in the NFL and, and see how much better recruiting is after that. Trust me, it'd be good. Yeah, I think it's people, people don't look at it like the, the right kind of way. They're just like, oh, he's not going to serve his obligation, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, it's one guy, first of all. It's not like a fucking, is he worth 500 people? No. Like, come on. If this one guy has a skill that can make him get paid millions of dollars, like, just why? Like, I don't understand the, the big deal over it. Yeah. Input, input, put the Navy's name out there like that, too. Yeah. I, I don't know. It just, it didn't make sense to me how people were so frustrated when I'm like, this is an obviously good thing for the Navy in general. And probably then the DOD overall, because some of those people are going to go into the, the like little recruiting office. That's all of the services together and like apply to the Navy. Cause that guy was so cool. And they were like, nah, bro, you ain't joining the Navy. <laughs> like, Okay. Walk across the street and join the Marine Corps. Yeah. Wow. We'll see. Like, I, 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 I can understand if we're like more in active wars, like, yeah, that's a big deal. But like, it's, it's different now. Well, even, even then, though, we did that for for some people because the publicity that they generate is greater than the the service they can provide while being active duty. It's just you have to measure those two things out. Well, it depends. To be on pragmatic. I mean, famously, Muhammad Ali was just like, "No, nah, I'm not doing it." They threw him in jail. So, yeah, and I got he made millions. I just threw him in jail. I I would. And I guess there's a difference between like a draft service, again, like you said, but if he had been already associated with the military and then done it, like, so like, say he was in the army as a boxer, boxed for the army team. And then like, they're like, no, we're gonna let you go be this professional boxer who's like, just happens to be crushing everybody. And always people are like, oh, he was in the army. (laughs) A little bit of a story than dodging it or like avoiding it or not wanting to serve. If you could have like, the smart play would have been, hey, go to boot camp and then go back right back to boxing. And you're now like the army boxer guy. 
or whatever. Like, <laughs> if they played it right, right, they could have made that a huge thing. Yeah, but we people have a hard time thinking that way. Yeah, no, I get it. It's we live in live in weird weird times. Well, even that that was a long time ago, and people didn't think of that. Yeah, because I bet if they had offered him an option. Yeah. Okay. So hold on. I'm looking this up on Snopes, and it says that active duty servicemen or women, which is weird, you could say service people or whatever, whatever, can be honorably discharged should they be on the receiving end of an unexpected windfall. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that that's what I understood as well. And I mean, if you're getting a million dollar contract, that's a fucking windfall. Yeah. So, he's not active duty. He's not. He was a reservist. No, he's still in the Naval Academy. Oh, what the f- Just fucking quit then. Yeah. He can't, like, you sign up. It's weird. So they sign up and the Navy pays for that college. So he's getting his degree and able to join the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. All of that was taken care of because he said he was going to join the Navy. Um, so if he's if he's graduating, he would have done, like, his, his, I don't know what it is for the Navy, OCS equivalent during his junior year. Um, and then when he completes college, then he goes to like final training and goes out to the Navy. So it's like not actually tech, like he hasn't completed all his training to the point where he's now active duty. Uh, <laughs> but it, it still should apply. Like, and I think that's why that there were people like, what's the, what's the rules here? And that's how, how I was like, what are the rules? So I could just follow the rules. Yeah. Um, instead of just thinking your way through, like, what would be the best solution to this problem? Yeah, I'm reading a story about a, a seaman, Don Burdett. He was one of the mm-hmm. thousands of sailors on the USS Nimitz in 2004, but he was one to win millions. And after mm-hmm. he got hit, hit the lottery for $6.5 million, uh, a couple of days later, the Navy was like, all right, you're out of here. And Bye. he got out. Because yeah. you, would, you wouldn't want a millionaire in the Insubordination would be huge. Because, like, honestly, like, if I was a millionaire and you try to yell at me, do something, I'm like, no, like, get the fuck out of here. Like discharge me. I don't care. <laughs> why would you care? And that's yeah. That's and that's why a lot of times they force it. Like, nope, you're done. Yeah. Goodbye. Um, you can waive it, or you can like write a whole bunch of stuff. You can try to do, it. but like I could imagine me right now. Like if I just suddenly got millions and millions of dollars, they should offer me at least the opportunity to be like, look, you think I've been doing it this long because you're paying me well? Like, <laughs> yeah. obviously it's because. I think what I'm doing right now is important and I would, I'm going to be very happy about having these millions of dollars. And when I take leave, I'll be driving my awesome quads out in the OHV area. And like, I'll be taking my much nicer RV than I have right now to go travel places. But like, I still want to do this job. I still think what I'm doing is important and they should allow people to opportunity to be like, trust me, it's not going to change me. But I think you do probably need to be above a certain rank at some point. Like any of the, any of the first enlistment people like, nah, you're good. Just, just out, go away because you can't just follow rules. Sometimes you can't follow orders. Can't do certain things. Yeah, the thing most, I think if you're people are listening to this, well, like why why don't you just listen to those? Like, if I give you a bunch of money, why would you listen to anybody? Yeah. Like, if I give you millions of dollars a year, like all you got to do is just basically like obviously don't break laws. But when it comes to like some asshole, potential asshole, not definitely an asshole, but some potential asshole just telling you what to do every day, why would you do that? What's the yeah. end goal there? Like, yeah, if you want to serve your country, I, I get that, but I mean, you can serve your country just by paying taxes too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can see if you're like flying jets or something, you're like, I've been dreaming my whole life to fly a fighter aircraft. Like, you're not going to do that somewhere else. 
It's like, hey, just let me finish. I mean, we finished a couple years ago. You know, War War from uh, what is Michael Dorn? (laughs) He flies jets still. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) he's buy a jet and fly. Obviously, won't have guns on it unless you have like Jeff Bezos. Like an F four. Yeah, you can buy old ones. Yeah, like a thirty-year-old jet. No, I want to fly an F thirty-five, man. <laughs> like, like, okay, go fly that thing. Fly that thing, and enjoy yourself. But, I wonder if you're the CEO of like Lockheed Martin, if you could just get it in there. Like, hey, I want to fly this fucking jet. You know, I want to fly this fighter plane. I wonder if they do that. I imagine they'd be flying whatever the next thing is. Probably, yeah. Probably. <laughs> no, because no, you get you need some some new pilot flying your experimental aircraft. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, but you have to. I mean, after you know that it's safe. I mean, we just we just saw you know, uh, Bronson Branson. I was messing up his last name. Um, yeah. the Virgin guy. He just flew up in a quote unquote space. It wasn't really space, but it's close to space. It's close. To it's, there's more. There's less atmosphere than any of us can take. So. Sure, space. Yeah, like me and my uh, my girlfriend almost got an argument about it. I'm like, he wasn't. I mean, he was up there, but he wasn't really in space. Like he he was definitely still in. Yeah, he didn't even break orbit. So right. I think balloons balloons have gone fly gone higher. Yeah, but it's cool. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Like well, and then actually on the F-35, the first um, female Marine F-35 pilot just just started flying. Nice. It's pretty awesome. That is pretty cool. Uh, I think that's time. Did it we, is. We're right we, talk- we, got, we only had minutes left. <laughs> yeah. But we didn't like, we didn't go in as deep as maybe as we sometimes do. But um, this was more one of those ones, like, I think it's, it needs to be conceptually discussed first. And then I think maybe we can find a specific aspect of what we talked about today that can be a little more deep dive. I do feel like we kind of touched on homelessness which i think definitely needs to be its own separate discussion um yeah because i think it applies to and i think all of the things we talked about were so closely woven together the housing issues which ties to homelessness which ties to is maybe caused by education and then we talk about how education and like the value of the homes going up should then equal uh like your property taxes which then goes back to the schools so it's they are all interconnected. And what I think, I think this is an important thing to understand is changing any one part of things. We need to understand what other impacts it could have in a lot of other concepts. And a thing like something as simple as, hey, I'd like to be able to rent out this place when I'm not here because it's in a, it's like timeshares, but I want to make it easier. Let's start a company and make it Airbnb and like not realizing like, that's kind of crushed some housing markets, especially in areas that people visit. It just, and has now possibly instigated this huge wave of homelessness across the country. I mean, it's, it's definitely part of the problem. And now we already have, you know, certain news out, certain news outlets that are talking about, oh, it's, it's going to be a great thing when, you know, we become a renter's nation. I'm like, no, it's not. Cause you can't, <coughs> excuse me. You literally cannot pass down wealth. Like the vast majority of people in America, the way they pass on their wealth is either through death or through real estate, usually through real estate. You're going to die anyway, but um, not everybody has life insurance. Most people should be able to own a home, but they, these corporations and these pundits keep making it, you know, minimizing the fact that, you know, if you don't have a home, then you're missing out a giant chunk of wealth that other people have access to. And they're going to keep pricing people out. And I, I don't, 
I don't have high hopes for like the future when it comes to like all these. It's just just one chink in the in the armor of the future, yeah. but it's a huge one. It's like not being able to pass down wealth to your kids. So they can't. It's going to be very hard for them to make their lives better. Because if you look at like people right now, like look at like a lot of the billionaires. Um, most of the most of their wealth was passed down to them. Yeah, yeah, like except for Bezos. excuse me, Jeff Bezos. He's the only one. Like yeah. he. You know, you want to talk about Elon Musk? He's not a self-made millionaire. Bill Gates? He's not a self-made millionaire. You know, none none of them are. You know, it's all passed down. Yeah, definitely able to attend like the best schools and have access to the best things at the time when it was important. So that was a big thing for Gates, right? Was he had access to computers and understood these systems way earlier than a lot of people did, and thought I could definitely make this better, which is nothing. I'm not downplaying how important that was, but yeah. a lot of people didn't have access to that stuff at the same time as he did because he came from a pretty pretty well-off family. So he was able to access all these best systems at, at these schools. And he got a lot of extra hours on the computers too. If I remember from the way I read that story too, it was like, oh, well, we know that, you know, um, you're good for these hours where we just, they just let him in for all these extra hours worth of access time and more than any other student got. That's back when you had to pay for extra time on a computer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like this, that's a legit thing. I remember you had to pay for, yeah. when you're on a database, I'm not sorry, not a, a mainframe. You had to pay yeah. for your time on a mainframe. Yeah. Back when it took up the entire, like, room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and bugs were literally bugs. Thing, yeah. <laughs> All right. We wrap it up. Okay, uh, we still don't have a really concrete way to do this, but we appreciate you, you guys hanging out with us while we talked about stuff that interests us and hopefully talked about how it applies to us and to society and to what our relationships are with those um, responsibilities and requirements to each other. Hey, but also since I did, like whenever it comes up and you have an opportunity to do so, get out there and vote. Like look at who it is you're voting for or what the decision is you're helping to make and understand it a little bit. Um, granted, you make really good points, Cronus, that like maybe what he was saying is very like uh, pre-third right. <laughs> like, uh, like I'm trying to build this system and like not realizing how far that thing could snowball. But I did look into some other articles about him and understand like it's like if I wrote those things, I'm sure someone could nitpick it and think like, oh, my gosh, he's an insane person. But I know that um, there's got to be other people out there like me who feel like if we start with civic responsibility and ownership of your society and like being a part of it and being involved and caring about other people that if we just start there, like everything else will come around. And I don't know, I immediately reading that felt like that kindred spirit feeling was like, okay, I got to do the research and keep, keep digging, but I really just want to like fill this box in right now. Yeah. Yeah. But, but get out there and read, read about them, read about your candidates. And here's what I'll tell you too, is if your state doesn't and your County doesn't already do that and provide you with, uh, access to your candidates' information and the, the the like ballots or whatever it is that you're voting on. Find out who the the county or whatever district you're voting in's commissioner is for for elections and write them and say this is the thing we need access to. Yeah, there's also a couple of really really good websites that you can go to that basically summarize most yeah. candidates and most anything that's on your ballot. I forget what I used last time, but it was like a certain um, – God damn, I can't remember the name of it. But there's there's a couple of websites out there where you can just look up like 
you put in your, your zip code and it tells you exactly what's going to be on your ballot. And you can click on all those things and every single person that's on there and learn their background and like what they're running on and what these actual, um, you know, bills and whatever various things are going to do. So the pros and cons. When I showed you um, this app that I use called yeah. Countable, but then like it changed its name recently. You remember what it was called? It's like no. Issues Now or? No. I was thinking of Ballotpedia. I think that's one of the ones that I use. But So the app used to be called Countable. I'll, um, I'll make sure to get you a link to it and maybe we can add it to the description in the video at least. Um, but yeah, it, it, it basically kind of any new topic that comes up, it lets you know what's going on. But what's really cool about it for me is when votes are happening in Congress, it lets you know that a vote's about to happen or lets you know that your congressperson just voted on something and you can go see how they voted. Um, and you, so then you can read about the topic and go, you know, I voted for you and more and more I'm watching how you vote. And I'm really not appreciating how you're voting and you can vote for somebody else next time. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's good. Because yeah, every now that's how we, that's how yeah, you get that's that's weird. really important term limits, right? Yeah, yeah. Just get them out of there. It should not be lifetime. But that's that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be responsible voters and remove them. They don't need term limits. We're supposed to be the term limit enforcement. But people, people aren't involved. They can stay there forever. People don't pay attention. I'm just. I'm still. Oh, we'll talk about it later. We're we're out of time. <laughs> yep. All right. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yep. Thanks for hanging out. Later. Bye. And people are less likely to even ask questions if it doesn't look like a smartwatch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well it still does track your gps doesn't it so uh so oh yeah right so all you know is i went into a building yeah. which i would have went into that building regardless so i don't know it's a little weird to make a big deal out of that i think oh yeah trust me i know like when people talk about when somebody knows like your ip address or your home or your home address i'm like you can walk you can drive by anybody's house and know their home address like Unless you have some yes. various means, like why do you care? <laughs> like, right. What's the topic? We're going to do education. Yeah, and it, and it doesn't have to be like with a specific purpose. Just the idea that you know if this is a thing that we accept today uh, is a standard, normal, provided thing. But that wasn't always the case. And that what does right look like? You know, when it comes to education and the government taking care of it. And, yeah. So that'll put us out at eleven. Maybe it'll be earlier. We'll we'll see. But, Eleven o'clock is gonna be as late as we can go. So, I didn't sleep early last night because my daughter uh, she stayed up late and had a bunch of sugar and she had like a bunch of like crazy nightmares in the middle of the night getting up and shit like that. So yeah, that's rough.